It's the Suncast Podcast, covering the Sun Conference and all its sports. What's up, Suncast Nation? It's your boy Manny here, and we're getting ready to dive into another episode of Suncast, and this one's going to be... An interesting one. Obviously, we're going to talk some Sun Conference hoops. We're also going to talk a little bit about the plans moving forward for the rest of, or I should say rest, rest of winter going into spring sports now that we have kind of transitioned into that with baseball starting up, baseball starting up, lacrosse, flag football, and, and so on and so forth. So, one thing again, obviously, it's gonna be just me for right now. I'm not. I'm not recording with Reagan again. Busiest man in the world, most interesting man in the world. So he's got a lot of stuff to to do. Uh, one thing he did want me to share. Uh, moving forward, the graphics uh for basketball they will continue as normal, especially with this being the final week of the regular season and con- conference tournament starting up as well as postseason. But everything else that we will post, uh, like football, softball, baseball, etc., will most likely or m- mainly be uh, when the conference starts or when there are conference games. Um, just because there's so much going on right now, and and it's it's a, a little bit harder for us to cover all the non-conference games, which is something we tend to have been doing as of late anyways, you know, kind of similar to basketball, how we didn't really do too much of the posting until conference already started. So that was definitely something that he wanted me to make sure that I relate to you guys. So you guys are aware and just up to date on, on what the plan is moving forward with Suncast. Again, not going to be too much of a wait, you know, uh, uh, for example, I know the Space Coast game is coming up right now for softball. So that will be pretty much the beginning, the end of February, beginning of March. And then right after that, we got conference right underway for that. Same thing with baseball. So it won't be too long. Um, we I did want to talk a little bit talking about baseball. Uh, we do have a big, big matchup for um, just baseball in general. We're talking about Southeastern versus Tampa. Uh, I think it's gonna be a really, really good matchup, a really interesting matchup. Obviously, Southeastern number one in the nation right now when it comes to baseball and facing off against a team in Temple. In Tampa, excuse me, who is also number one. It's just going to be a great match. If you guys can tune into that one, I highly, highly recommend it. I'm going to put, pull, uh, pull up right now the st- the schedule for that one, just so you guys are aware of it. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to get right into the midweek games that are going to happen tomorrow. I'm recording this Tuesday night, and we're also going to talk about Saturday because there was a lot to talk about on Saturday. And we're going to start with Saturday, mainly with the fact that I'm honestly not even surprised how close things are getting. Because at this point, I've said it, Reagan said it, we've all said it. You can expect it to get close because I don't know what else or how else this season could have ended for either side. Normally, we start with the women's side and... And I, I was going to start with them, but I think that side is a, is where really the the tightness comes down to a lot of things, especially specific, specific game. But we're going to start actually on the men's side because that's a little bit more clear cut. Um, Obviously, like, we, like I always do, we're going to start with the standing update as of Tuesday night. St. Thomas right now receiving votes as of the latest polls, nine and three, sitting number one in the conference. Kaiser, eight and four. Florida Memorial, Ave Maria tied at seven and five apiece, both also receiving votes. Then you've got Weber International at six and six, tied with Southeastern for those last two playoff spots. Nine and three are the Warner Royals and Coastal Georgia, two and ten. As of right now, it looks like if I'm if I'm doing my math correctly, Coastal has been eliminated. If not, they are pretty much out of the playoff contentions within their own ability to move up. Warner, there's a, a chance for them, but I don't think so. Again, looking at how things are going to shake out. So we have pretty much our playoff locks. We've got St. Thomas, Kaiser, Florida Memorial, Ave, Weber, and Southeastern. There's still a lot of movement in there. Uh, I'm going to start with the past Saturday games and how those kind of impacted this past weekend. We're going to start with Kaiser versus Warner. I think that one was a pretty clear cut one. Uh, Again, Warner 
they had a great season. I, I think they've had a, a honestly one of the better seasons that that a nine and three team, a three and nine team in conference could have. It was just one of those years where any other year they would have competed, they would have probably made a playoff push uh, down the stretch. But the the conference this year has just been so talented, it's been so deep, and it it sucks because flat out, you know, one team has to win, one team has to lose, and I felt like just Warner was on the wrong end of those a few times, even though they started conference play on such a high note. And players like Skylar Scroll, Logan West, Blaze Darling, they've they've come alive, especially for the entirety season. Honestly, you know, those three have really been leading the charge for the most part. Those three were the leading scorers for the Warner Royals in this matchup against the Seahawks uh, with Skull leading the way with 16. And you got Logan West at 14, seven with five assists and then Blaze 11 and five. It's just I feel like the offense never got clicking and never really got into a groove. And it's tough because again, in this conference, you gotta average about seventy-five to eighty points a night to have a chance. That's not even counting wins. You gotta have a chance to put yourself in those situations. And it just felt like the Warner Royals at times struggled to get offense going in this game. Six to twenty-six from the from the three-point line, only eleven to fifteen from the free throw line. You know, it, it's hard when you're not getting too much from distance, and then you're also not getting to the free throw line as much to try and compensate for it. Then you shoot thirty-seven percent from the field. Again, they're a solid team, you know, keeping turnovers down pretty much to a minimum. For the most part, they never out-rebounded too bad. I know in this game, it's going to kind of show a little bit more when you're out-rebounded by 20, 30 to 50 to the Kaiser Seahawks, but it's more of the Seahawks side, I think, than, than the Warner Royal side. It was a, just, a, just a tough matchup. I think it was a tough matchup on a night-in, night-out basis. And again, credit to the Royals. They really put up a fight. And and I think, again, any other year, you really they really get a, a better push down the stretch. And again, they definitely snuck up on some teams early in the conference that we're going to talk about in a minute here. Um, but speaking of this game, obviously the Seahawks win this one 77-59. And they have kind of, with this win, put themselves in a position, you know, come tomorrow night to win the conference tournament or win the regular season championship again something other things have to fall in in, in line and, and and whatnot but baseline uh bottom line they do have they are in a situation with the st thomas bobcats which again that's going to be a preview that we'll I'll get to in a minute here but talking about this game for the seahawks you've got five players double figure score you've got 19 apiece from calvin and vincent Calvin, nine assists. Vincent, another double-double, 19 and 17. I really want to see what the double-double record is in a conference all time because he's got to, if not have it, he's got to be close to it. I mean, he hasn't had a single game without a double-double, to my knowledge. Uh, you also have Jonathan Paul at 12 points, 13 rebounds. The team just, you, you could tell they were kind of on a mission. You know, again, you out-rebound the, the Royals 50 to 30. You have 42 paint points. That's really where they're going to make their bread and butter. Don't get it twisted. This team can shoot the ball very well, 7-16 from the three-point line. They shoot it very well at a very consistent rate. They're not going to overshoot like some teams tend to do. They're not going to undershoot. They're going to find that sweet spot, and if they're hot, they'll keep going. If they're not, they're not going to go to the well one too many times. You shoot 42% from the field, 60% from the free throw line. Not ideal, but again, when you out-rebound a team, you keep the turnovers to a minimum, only 13. Probably want to keep that a little bit lower, but you also dominate in the paint. That's just a recipe for success and something they're going to need to do moving forward. Again, tough, tough loss for the Royals, but the Seahawks just handle business at home, something they needed to do to put themselves in position come Wednesday night. We're going to go from there to another team that just a, a rough year in the sense of they were on the wrong side of a lot of tough, close losses even though they're on the right side of some good ones. And the Coastal Georgia Mariners, you know, you lose to the Southeastern Fire at home by one. Another team that they played very well all year. I, I Everybody knows, you know, I've been a Coastal Georgia fan since the beginning, you know, and, and I know how it was the beginning of the year when they beat the Bobcats at home. and But it was more than that, you know, I just like the way they play. I like the way they, they just gelled together as a team. They Maybe they didn't jump out on paper with the the names or the talent last up, but they were the sum was better. It was the sum was more than the individual parts, and they were a testament to that. And but at the same time, there were just some games just like this. You lose by one, and it's tough because they could have been another team. You know, years like this, I'm sure you would love to see all eight teams in the conference tournament because you never know what could happen in a one game situation. Unfortunately, that is not the case, and. 
the Coastal Georgia Mariners are going to go along with the Warner Royals and not be in the playoff picture. But still, players like Nick Giles, Caden McArthur, Leighton Vion, they had themselves some great seasons, great performances in this one. You know, 27 for Giles, also nine rebounds. You had 16 by McArthur. Vion with a double-double, 13 and 10. You also had Sally uh, Wilson, who had a very solid season. The Coastal Georgia Mariners, again, they're a very good team, just in a conference that is very, very deep and Two teams had to be left out. It could have been anybody. There were times where you really, really could have been anybody. So there's def definitely nothing to to hold your hat on. Uh, they can still, them and the Warner Royals can still play spoilers to to these teams that are in the playoff mix. So their season, they still got two games left. And they can still have an impact come postseason time, even if they're not going to be a part of the playoffs. Meanwhile, for the South Southeastern Fire, Four players in double-figure scoring, 17 for Anthony Duncan, 15 for Reggie, uh, 12 for Sean, and 16 for Makai off the bench. I really liked his role off the bench. I think that's a, that's a nice thing that has kind of added a little wrinkle to their offense. You know, obviously, he was one of the players to watch at the beginning of the year, had a great start to the season as well as conference, and I have noticed he's been moved to the bench, but he's thriving. And again, kind of a sixth-man, six-starter kind of role. He still he played the fourth-most minutes on the team behind uh, Duncan, Mesador, and Shore at 28 behind the only uh, those three playing 30 plus. So definitely still getting the minutes and producing at a very good clip. Overall, the team kept the turnovers down. The rebounding department is going to be something that, I, that I'm going to worry about them moving into playoffs and into this week, honestly, because they've never struck me as a team that can really control the paint. Uh, and there's a lot of teams in the conference this year who value that, you know, the Bobcats, the Lions. Um, there's a lot of teams that can control that. Uh, the Seahawks, obviously. So that's going to be something where when you look at playoff matchups, will that, or I, I think it will be a factor, just a matter of how much of a factor that will be. Meanwhile, on the flip side, I think they need to rely a little bit more on their, on the deep ball. Um, seven for 11 is good to beat the Coastal Georgia Mariners, but I don't think it's going to be enough to beat some of these other teams in the conference when the, again, the offensive load that these teams can produce on a night in, night out basis. Again, eight, although you go 18 for 20, that's very good. You need to shoot about that percentage. If you're going to be undersized, you got to be able to, to not just get to the free throw line, but you got to be able to knock down those free throws because those are free ones. Those are charity stripes shots that can get you going offensively you know as a shooter you can see a couple of them go in from the free throw line just work on your form that can really open up your offense down the stretch of these close games when you know those end of game shots come a lot tighter than those first few ones you get in the, in the first half uh overall the team did very very well uh, i like the way they've been heading you know they, they've had not i wouldn't say an up and down season i think they've had a pretty consistent season forward they've had obviously a few losses that that you look back on and, and they probably want back but they've also had some big wins I think even this one is a big one when you have a scrappy team like Coastal on the road and you find a way to to pull it out. It's definitely a, a big one for them that I think they can build off of moving forward. And then we look at these two games that one, I, I, I'm not surprised, but the other one, very surprised. And I'm going to start with my Bobcats who are now seven games in a row. They are just lighting the world on fire. They if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, after we started 0-2, and, and even when we were 1-2, and if, if you would have said you're going to be in a position come end of the season where if you win your final regular season game, it's going to obviously be senior night. It's going to be against a, a rival in the Seahawks in, in, in a rival that goes deeper than just basketball team. To win the conference tournament, or to win the regular season title, I should say, I'm not going to say I wouldn't have believed you, but I'm also not going to say that I would have been a little skeptical uh, just because of the way the team was playing. Again, the difference in these in the beginning to the end for the Bobcats has been otherworldly. And I'll go on record. I don't even think they need to win the conference to to give themselves the best chance. I think they're going to go into the playoffs as the best team in the conference, whether they're number one, number two, number I don't care. They will go into it as the best team in the conference. Obviously, you want to go in on the highest of high notes on a winning streak that could go nine deep if they're able to win out this this week. They have just been playing just amazing basketball. And you look at it, I, I've said it before, it's the fact that Josh Taylor has has become that that missing link for them in in the the mid range high post area making plays making shots just being a playmaker Daniel Agoro and Anthony Harris that guard play has found its niche and it works very well because Daniel a lot more slower in the sense of he really tries to 
control the pace. It's a different tempo. It's still a fast tempo. Don't get it wrong, but it's a different tempo than when Anthony comes in off the bench. Again, another six man, a six starter type of role. I mean, you look at it, the six players who played the most were Taylor, Orgoro, Matthews, Hernandez, Warren, and Harris all played at least 25, 20 minutes or more. And Anthony Harris off the bench, 31 minutes. That's starter level numbers. Like that's not a six man level number numbers. Um, so I think that he's definitely been a nice bright spot. I definitely look back at that Florida Memorial game. I think that was where, you know, a few games before that, he definitely was finding his niche with the team, but that was his coming out game, so to speak, uh, 25 off the bench. Without those 25s, I don't believe that the, that the Bobcats win that game. He was that important to the game, not just the scoring, but just the timely buckets that, that he was having in that game. And I think that confidence really just, oozed out of him after that and he's been on a, a heater after ever since 17 and 6 for him in this game against the Jairines on the road and a pretty big game you know I wouldn't call it a must win for, for the Bobcats but I do think it was a a test for them in different aspect on the road against a team that you know they just dropped one against Florida Memorial they want to get back in the winning ways you know a team that I wouldn't they're not spiraling but you know that that I talked about earlier that peaked early conversation it, it's becoming more and more and, and I think we got definitely have to talk about it you know I'm not I still think they're they're a very dangerous team. I think their offense, if it's hitting, I don't know too many teams that can go with it. At the beginning of the year, I would have said not too many teams can go with it. Now I think there's one or two that can definitely go punch for punch with them. Um so I'm a little bit, you know, it's not the same Jarian team from the beginning of the year, but they're still a very dangerous team. So I don't definitely not want to count them out. But staying sticking with the Bobcats here. 18 for Taylor, 17 for a girl, also with seven rebounds, uh, nine rebounds for Taylor, by the way. Milton with 15, oh, Curious Warren, seven points, uh, 12 rebounds. It's just all coming together right now. And it's it, and that that's why it's the scariest thing to me, because it's all coming together as a group. You know, I I similar similar to how I was saying with the Jirenes, you know, if, if the Jirenes were scoring 90 a game, yeah, but I feel like they're more dangerous at 80 because it just seems like there's more, more happening if they're at 80 points. Same thing for the Bobcats. Yes, we've had, I just mentioned Anthony Harris, 25 points against the Lions. We know Josh Taylor's gone for 20. We know Milton's gone for 40. We know these guys can put up big numbers. I think every one of these six that you can pencil in as playoff rotations and then, you know, the 7A can, can be talked about. We can talk about, it. you know, Jeremy's had some really good games. Kyle's had some minutes here. So there's definitely going to be some some leeway on the back end of that of that rotation. But we know what the, who the six players are going to be in the playoffs where the Bobcats are. I don't. The, the, the scoring has just been so together. There hasn't been one guy that necessarily has gone off. But at the same time, that's what makes them so dangerous because each one of these guys at any point can run 10 off by themselves, can go and get you two big buckets and back to back, can go and make plays for each other. So that's what makes them so dangerous right now. And again, another team that they control the rebound for the most part, big part of that curious one, 45, uh, 45 rebounds for the team, 12 come from him. Keep the turnovers down. If you're telling me the Bobcats are going to have nine to 10 turnovers a game, that to me is the number. That is a dangerous number to keep to, for them to have because now they're valuing possession. Now they're making sure that when they're getting in transition, they're not forcing it. They're they're just letting the offense come to them, but they still understand when to go get their own buckets. The team is as, as a whole; they just check every box, and 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 they're they're just so dangerous right now. Forty nine percent from the field, forty five percent from the three point line. The free throws are maybe where I'll be nitpicky, just in the sense of I like to see more. But again, when most of your damage is coming from from jump shot oriented players and Matthews Hernandez even Taylor again in that mid-range area you know it puts a lot of pressure on on Agoro and 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 Warren and Harris to get to the to the rim so I'm definitely I would like to see Josh Taylor get a little bit more to the free throw line I think he's definitely more capable of it um obviously he's got that inside out game when when needed but I think that would be the one thing I'd be nitpicking on but again if the jumper's falling if you're getting good open looks you don't got to worry about it that much um so I'm really liking the way that they've been playing. Again, they're playing the best basketball of anybody in the conference right now. And it's so good that I would go out on a limb and say they don't even need to host the tournament. And that would just be icing on the cake for them. And obviously, they're going to go out and try and do that because that's the goal. That was the goal at the beginning of the year. And I said, no matter what happens in postseason time, if they win the regular season title and the conference tournament, I think you have to win both or at least the conference tournament to say we went deeper. We went farther than last year's team. 
that that's where I would let lie. You you do that, I consider the season a success. Obviously, that's not the end goal. There is a lot more uh, on that they want to check off the list. But something you didn't do last year, even though you had a lot of, a lot of success last year, is definitely a, a good note to have. Meanwhile, for the Abi Maria Jairines, again, spirals a strong word. I've heard some people talk about that. That that's not the case. I do think the conference is kind of cut up to them. I do think. You know, you have 25 from, from Michael, you have 20 from Jonathan, you have 18 from Jack, but that's it. You know, the, the rest of the team combined for 14 points, that's not going to get it done. And they know that, you know, uh, you can chalk it up to an off night. You could, you know, 10 or 26. Honestly, that's under gyrene numbers. The fact that they only shot 26 three-pointers is is a little eye-opening to me in the sense of normally when they go down, they go down swinging. You know, we're talking about north of 30 35 attempts from the three-point line whether they're hot or not so i am glad to see that they haven't that they were more aware that it might have been a good day from the three-point line but you got to find other ways to score and it comes down to the fact that when you look at the paint points 36 compared to the 42 from the bobcats but you also the rebound you were held to 23 total rebounds you were held to four offensive rebounds Meanwhile, the Bobcats, 45 rebounds, 17 offensive rebounds, meaning that they were getting the second, third, fourth opportunities that time, and they're making the most of it. And that's why we saw them lose to the Lions. That's why we saw them lose to this Bobcat team. That's why, if we look back, the Bobcats could have been the other team to have beaten them twice this season because they were one shot away, you know, a bucket here, a bucket there, and they win at home against the Jirene. So it wasn't to say like this was a matchup that it was a big win for the Bobcats from that perspective. It, it was a nail biter all the way through. In the end, though, the biggest thing for the Jirene is going to be if the jumper isn't working, where else is the offense coming from? Because we know this team is not necessarily the, the, the biggest, the strongest, but I feel like they can definitely have more than 23 rounds. I think they can at least get to, to 30 to to. 35, 35 might be a stretch, but 30 is definitely, I think, in play. You know, figuring out ways to get second chance points can be very important for them. You're not going to win a lot of games with only four second chance points, no fast break points, and one bench point. Like, that's just not going to work. Uh, 14 points off turnovers is good, but they're going to need a lot more than that if they want to not just beat a Bobcat team, beat a Florida Memorial team, but you beat anybody in the conference right now. Because again, the conference has kind of caught up to them. I think they caught the conference by storm. I said it before and I'll say it again. They were the best team at the beginning of conference play, no doubt about it. But that was the beginning of conference play. That was in January. We're now in late February or almost in March. It's a different season. It's a different collection of teams. Everybody's a different, whether for good or for bad. So they've got to adjust. I think they will. I think they're going to go. I wouldn't say they're limping into the end of the postseason. I, I would say, though, they're not playing their best. But you got two games left. You definitely still have a chance to turn it around. You've got playoff teams lined up in front of you. And, and a pretty scrappy team at that. So they have a good a good runway in front of them to make some momentum just mentally to have to get that kind of proverbial monkey off your back, I think is the best way to put it. So I'm excited to see what, what, what they do from that perspective. And speaking of the last team to beat them before the Bobcats, the Florida Memorial Lions dropped to the Weber National Warriors 89 to 81 at home in a similar situation where you just beat the gyrenes after losing to the bobcats and i say this with credit to the warriors team and knowing that they're not no pushovers that this team is 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 game and they're am i picking them to to go deep in conference i don't know i, I kind of want to see how they do this week but they're going to be a tough out none, nonetheless you still can't lose this game and 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 i feel like i i, I just said that i feel like in the last game with the Bobcats, like you just can't lose this game. Now, it's a little bit different. You could lose to the Bobcats, but you can't lose by 30. In this game, you, you, you can't lose this game. I, I'm sorry, you can't lose this game. Now, yes, you got to look at the three-point line. 14 for 34 by the Warriors, including eight by Cooper Peterson. And if y'all have not seen the clip on our Instagram, Suncast Podcast on Instagram, of him throwing a lob, it was a lob, and it going in the hoop, then you got to go check it out real quick. Pause the episode or wait or after the episode's over, go check it and then come back or do whatever. But that at the end of the day, even though I'm saying you can't lose this game, I understand to a degree what happens when Cooper and Eden both go 13 threes between the two of them. And Cooper is 
He looks like he's throwing rocks into the ocean at that point. I understand. In that same breath, though, it was them two. 37 by Eden, 28 by Cooper. At home, that just can't. I, I, I still think you can pull it out. I still think you should pull it out. You know, if the Lions win this game, I come out of it saying that was supposed to happen. Great effort by the Warriors. Let's see if they can build off that. That's what I would have said. But now I'm saying what a win by the Warriors. Gutsy win by the Warriors. Big performance by Cooper. Big performance by Eden, who continues to really step up in that role of being the guy right now of controlling the offense. 37 points, five assists, four rebounds in 33 minutes of play. Their their game, this Warriors team again, do they have enough to go deep? I don't know. You know, if you if you you can have another Cooper Peterson game, and maybe we you know we're talking about them being in the semifinals, maybe even the, the championship. That's how the season kind of gone for not just them but the entire conference. But you can't bank that up. You can't bank on that, obviously. And you know, you have eighty nine points, but you have forty. You have that's fifteen sixty five between those two. It's a lot to ask for those two. And again, in playoffs, teams scheme a lot better. They're, they're more prepared. Um, so it's a little bit different. It's a little bit easier. It's a little bit harder uh, from an offensive side of things to have that kind of of, uh, of productivity from only two players and the rest of your team not necessarily pitch in. In that same breath, though, I'm sure most of those that didn't, quote unquote, pitch in offensively were because they realized Eden and Cooper are, are hot. Why would we take shots away from them? Feed the hot hand. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I understand that too. Also do want to shout out Jordan Golden, 12 rebounds. That's big for them because if they're going to be undermanned in, in retrospect where they only had eight people this game, he's going to be big on the inside where he had 12 of the team's 36 rebounds. Also for them, turnovers are going to be huge. You got to keep it down. Uh, I, you got to know that Eden's going to have about three turnovers or more, not because he can't take care of the basketball, but just because he's playing 30-plus minutes a game, 35-plus minutes a game. He has the ball in his hands. He's sending, getting sent double teams. They're, they're blitzing him. So it's going to be harder for him. So you can kind of understand that. But the rest of the team, you got to try and keep the turnovers down to a minimum. And even him, three, I'm being generous. He'll probably more average about two two a game than, than, than three um, because he's had that kind of performance. So I, I'm I'm very I'm very curious to see how this team is going to go into the playoffs. I think they're riding a good high. I think with this win alone, they should be going into the conference tournament feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, no matter what happens this week, this week obviously you want to have a good good last two games, at least last game or so. Um, they have a pretty tough schedule, so for 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 sure, it's, it's not going to be an easy one. Um, but I still think that they can they can build off it, win or lose, because they've kind of had that kind of season. You know, I keep saying it back against the wall. The Warriors have performed each and every time. This is another example of it. So definitely give credit to them for the lines. Like I mentioned, I just don't think you can lose this one at home. You know, senior night, all, all the festivities, you just really can't. Uh, and especially when and again, I understand when it's someone's night, it's someone's night. But I've seen the lines have. The offensive firepower the inside presence because in a game like this i don't think you can just out rebound the warriors by one i don't think that that's the recipe for success for them at all like i think they need to really dominate in the paint 36 paint points that's that's good but then when you look at the rebound department and like only 10 offensive rebounds you get out rebounded in that department by the warriors where they have 12 I don't know. I I don't I don't I didn't like that part of it. And then again, you add in the fact of Cooper and, and Eden having a good nights from the three point line. It's a lot harder to, to see. And you kind of see why they, they lose that game. You know, Latavius Mitchell off the bench, 17 and 10. He's going to be a big part for big part of their success in the playoffs. Uh, also. One assist can't foul out. I think that's the biggest thing. Him and Chance fouling out of this game is, is a big loss for them. A 10.7 assists, five rebounds for a chance. And so can't even finish out the game playing 29 minutes. You would play a couple more minutes. I think both of those guys are that good to be able to sw- They're between the two of them. They can make up those eight points and it's a different ball game. So that, so I definitely think that they want this one back, you know, not just for the seniors, but, but just because they feel like they could have played better. Uh, Miles Jordan smart, heck of a day, uh, 16 points. Also do want to shout him out because uh, if you haven't seen on the Instagram, he had a very, very uh, heartfelt moment um, between him and his mom. Uh, a great job. If you guys can go watch that, uh, go see that on Instagram. I believe the Lions page reposted it. Um, 
uh, I, it's just it's just a good moment, a good feel, good story. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I know there's rivalries in here and I know there's all that stuff, but, you know, you'd love to see all that kind of stuff within the conference. And we all just want to see the conference, the players in it, the programs in it just expand and, and, and really have that family feel. So definitely if you guys can watch that video, uh, share it and, and all that good stuff, I definitely would uh, recommend it. And, I, and I'm sure it would be really appreciated by everybody. Um, but again, overall for the Lions, it's just I think it was a tough, tough loss for them uh, after you beat the Jairines and you feel really, really good. To lose that one, it probably stinks a little bit. Um, still, though, they're not a team that I would say is limping in either. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are limping into the conference tournament because even the ones that are going to be at the bottom of the playoff picture, I kind of saw them being at the bottom of the playoff picture, you know, to be honest with you. So it's, so it's not really a situation where teams are limping in. If you told me, if you forced me to pick one, I would say the Lions just because in the past three games you get blown up by 30. You beat the Jairings, which is Solid win, but then you lose to the Warriors by eight at home on those two losses. I think that would be where where I'm pointing to. But again, that's more of a if you force me type of thing. I don't think they're necessarily limping in, especially if we have we have a week left. So I don't think you can really say anybody is limping in until you know this Saturday or or this or next or next Sunday. Um, and then we look at the upcoming slate um, tomorrow night. Uh, we got. Kaiser at St. Thomas. We've got Fort Memorial at Southeastern. We've got Coastal at Warner, and we've got Ave at Weber. A lot of games, a lot of good games. Um, I like the. I'm gonna go. You know, a sleeper game of the day. I'm gonna go Warner Coastal just to show, just because I feel like that'll be a good uh game for the two of them. Uh, just a team, two teams again. They're gonna be on the outside looking in, but had really good seasons. I think that they're gonna put on a really good performance for both of them. Um, kind of a. I don't even know. I just I just like the fact that they're going to play each other at this point in the season. I think it's a good just, just going to be a good game, a good classic, old fashioned. Might be a low scoring game, but it'll be some good team basketball, some good defense, some good just overall basketball, some good Sun Conference basketball. So I definitely recommend you guys trying to you know check that one out. You know, in between watching either your your school games or, or any other games that that you guys are interested in. For the game of the day is is definitely Southeastern, uh, not excuse me, uh, St. Thomas and Kaiser, and I'm gonna get to that one at the end because it's. The obvious one. I think I'm gonna go for the upset of this evening. It's it's tough because I can definitely see both of these. And again, I'm going off upset in the sense of the standing. So when I say upset, I say either fire over over lions or warriors over gyrenes. The crazy thing is both of those teams that I would pick for the upset are home. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Weber. I'm gonna go Weber over over Ave. I think Weber's playing better. I think they're had playing with more confidence. Um, I know the fire is coming off of a of a nail biting victory, and their confidence is very high. But I think the Lions are gonna impose their will again. We saw that the fire, when it comes to rebounding, is gonna be a little bit of a sore spot for them. So if the Lions can exploit that, and I mean exploit that, I mean have a situation where they out rebound similar to how Kaiser out rebounded the Warner Royals, you know, almost by, or by 20, that will be the recipe for success. And I think the Lions can do that. Uh, on the flip side, the Jirenes, this matchup kind of favors them. I do think that the, it's two of the quote unquote smaller teams in the conference, two of the more uh, high octane offenses that kind of rely more on the jump shot. And, you know, I'm a, Everybody knows I'm a big guy when it comes to numbers in the sense of if you have a good game, you're going to come back down to earth. Cooper and Eden had good games, but that necessarily doesn't mean it's going to be the next game. And you telling me that this Warriors team kind of has found a little bit of a second wind in them, kind of found a new identity of being those underdogs, embracing that underdog role, coming off of a road win like that against the Lions. You're going into the into the home stand here to wrap up the the final two games of the season of the regular season yeah their energy is very high i don't think they're going to have an off night i don't and might be an off night compared to last game but i don't think they're going to have a, a situation where they can't buy a bucket i think eden has been playing superb i think he has definitely been the catalyst for this late push here that has kind of solidified the playoff lock for them uh the gyrenes if they lose this game then maybe that 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 limping uh into the postseason might sway a little bit more towards them or maybe both them and the Lions, again, depending on how the Lions do in their own games. Um, but I think the Jirenes need this win for sure. But I think the Warriors are going to pull it out just off of pure, just pure energy, pure momentum. Basketball, you know, it's 90% mental. And I think that they are on a high right now. And even if they lose this game, I don't think that's going to sway their confidence 
and to be honest with you, they could lose both games this week. I don't think it's just way their confidence. That's how much uh, I think they've earned in respect for for uh, not just around the conference, but just the way they've been playing lately. And that brings me to the game of the day, St. Thomas Kaiser. And there's a lot that goes into this game. There's a lot that goes into this game. Uh, obviously, the top two teams in the conference standing-wise, uh, St. Thomas wins. They win the conference uh, for regular season title. Done deal. Coach Pat wins it in his third year after a historic season last year. To do it, something that hasn't been done for the men's team in – I'm going to get you guys the exact numbers just so we understand how long it's been. Last time that they were regular season champions, 2017-18. Last time they won the conference tournament, I know that's still a week away, but just for reference sake, 08-09. To put in perspective, Kaiser was still Northwood University. That's how long ago it was. I'm going St. Thomas. I'm going St. Thomas. No surprise. They're the best team right now in the conference. They're on a seven-game winning streak. They're playing, playing just together. They're playing the best, I think. And they're at home. It's senior night. You're going to honor players like Jordan Hernandez, Milton Matthews, who have really built this program the past two years since they've been here. It's just all there for the Bobcats. With that being said, you told me there's going to be one team that could stop them at least for one more day or make it a little interesting. It would be the Seahawks. And it's only fitting that these two teams because a little tribute for y'all, a little fun fact, the team that started this winning streak for the Bobcats, was the Seahawks. And what I thought was their coming out game, now looking back on it, because they played the best. They were on the road. They came together, even when the Seahawks crowd got into it, even when the Seahawks players got into it, even with Vincent going for a double-double, even with Calvin having a great 20-point performance, the, the shooting was all there. The Bobcats still pulled it out. I don't think there's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be even a 10-point blowout. I think we're going to be in for a possible finals preview I think we're going to be in for a classic. I think we're going to be in for another thriller. Bobcats win it. Nailbiter-esque type of finish, but they still come out on top. I just think they're they're on a different level where, cool, you want to for- focus on Milton and Jordan? JT is going to give you a nice 15 in the mid-range. Warren's going to be in the paint on both ends of the court, offensively and defensively for sure. Anthony Harris off the bench, I think he matches up very well with Calvin in the sense of, obviously Calvin's faster, but... Ant is no slouch when it comes to speed. Ant is strong for a guard. I think he's gonna really give Calvin some 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 fits. Same way the other way, you know, Calvin's speed is not is not nothing to, to to sneeze at. It's something that you definitely have to have to account for because, as I say, speed kills. And I remember watching them last time. He actually played Milton a few times, and of course, you know, that's an easy. That's not an easy. That that's a. a Favorite matchup for Milton or for Ant or, or Daniel or anybody of the, any one of the guards for for the the Bobcats, but Calvin's still you know a pesty defender. He's still gonna be up in their shores. He's gonna make it tough for them. They're gonna make shots because that's what tough shot makers do. But doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. So I think it's gonna be just a great great showing. I do think we're gonna look at the others, and I just think the others for the Bobcats are going to step up more than the, than the Seahawks one. Um, it's gonna be a good test though because again this could be a possible. Uh, finals preview in the Fernandez Family Center if the Bobcats do come out on top with it, which again, I think they do, and something that they haven't been done since 17-18, they, they'll, they'll host a conference tournament the following week. With that said, now we're going to go from the men's side to the women's side, and we'll start with the Bobcats. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. It was a tough one because I've said it before, I've said it again. I think the Bobcats on the women's side have the toughest remaining schedule. Honestly, on the men's side too, because you know, you go from Southeastern to Ave to Kaiser to Weber, all four teams on both sides in the playoff mix, uh, in varying factors, but still they're all gonna make it the playoffs. And you go to Southeastern, you have your best game of the season. Like I think the Bobcats had their best game of the season. You turn it around, you go to Ave Maria. I know it's senior night. I know it's I, I know that the energy is there. But it comes down to the fact that you have 21 turnovers, you allow 17 offensive rebounds, you shoot 10 of 16 from the free throw line, you shoot eight of twenty-two from the three-point line, and 39% from the field. That's just not gonna get it done. And even with all that, they still have the ball down to with the chance to tie it. 
the late game execution doesn't go in your favor. Ave Maria gets a steal. I see with free throws. Of all that, I think the two things that definitely are gonna are gonna be the ones that stand out to me. Even though you had 21 turnovers, you're forced to Ave Maria Jairus is 22. So it's not like that was something that shot yourself in the foot. Don't get it wrong. 21 turnovers will definitely hurt you no matter how many turnovers your opponent has. But the, considering the fact that the Jairus had 22, you can cancel them out to some degree. But you get out rebound at 44 to 30. Again, 17 offensive rebounds, not, not something that, that Coach Walker's going to be happy with. And then you allow Maria Coleman to go off for 25 points, nine, 5 of 9 from the three-point line and 8 rebounds. And she was getting good looks. She was getting clean looks even when she was already hot. I think that was something that just can't allow to happen. You also have double-double by Colleen Shahan, 16 points, 11 rebounds. She didn't play in the first game against the, with these two teams, so definitely was an X factor for them. And then the one, the last thing that, that I definitely looked at and it kind of jumped out at me, 10 players play for the Jairines. It's kind of relatively low for them. Only the starters scored. So only five of the 10 players scored. Meanwhile, for the Bobcats, you had a, you know, team effort, offensively speaking, uh, led by Camila Fayfield, who's found her groove right now, 16 points off the bench. And she is going to be someone that if you do not respect, if you do not keep an eye on, she is going to be the reason you lose basketball games. I'm telling you that right now. Um, but in the end, credit Avi Mary Jairines on senior night, understanding what's in front of you. You know, you, you hold, you have a chance to make this an interesting stretch uh, down, an interesting ending stretch for the number one seed. You now are a part of the three-way tie. I feel like we never lost, we never changed it. At the beginning of the year, it was a three-way tie between these three teams. It, we're fast forward now at the last week of the regular season, and it's still a three-way tie. It's tough. Uh, Bobcats still do technically hold the number one spot uh, in the standing wise. But again, there's a three way tie and one. I'm going to get into the playoff scenarios in a minute here. It's a whole mess of stuff. Um, but we go from Ave and St. Thomas to Southeastern and Coastal. Pretty straightforward here. SCU wins. Um, they're still in the hunt for the number one spot, like I mentioned, with uh, Ave and St. Thomas. A few standout players, Maya Herman, Cassidy Jones, combined for 24 points, 12 apiece. Unfortunately for the Coastal Georgia Mariners, they have officially been eliminated from playoff contention. Not too much I can deep dive into this one. Um, it was a little bit closer of a game overall. You know, only about, what is that, about 14 points, give or take. Uh the Mariners did not play a few of, of their players um, that I definitely think would have made a difference. But in the end, I still had the, the fire winning. They did that, especially even though they were on the road, I still had them winning that one. Then we transition over to the Warner Royals versus Kaiser Seahawks. Kaiser, they win this one. They won the turnover matchup by six. I think that's a big thing for them overall, especially when they're on the road. I think if they can keep their turnovers down, they give themselves the best chance, which we're, we're going to get to in a minute here in the previews. Um, they continue to score points at the free throw line. I mean, this team, they're going to get the free throw line one way or another. You, you can book it for almost, I'll give, get the numbers for you exactly here against the, the, the Royals, but they're going to get at least four. 40% of their free of their points from the free throw line, I would say, maybe more depending on the game. And they just play inside out basketball. You know, they, they they value getting to the paint. They value offensive rebounds. Even though they're not the tallest team in the conference, they use their body very well. They they understand how to kind of root teams out of the paint and get in right positions. Um in this game, 19 free throw attempts, 16 makes. That's what I mean when I talk about if you are not or if you're gonna go six for twenty from the three point line, which is not bad, but if you're gonna go six for twenty, you better be over eighty five percent from the free throw line, sixteen of nineteen, eighty four percent good enough, you know. So and that obviously you add in forty one percent from the field, you put yourself in good company to win a lot of games, especially in this conference. Also twelve steals. Kaiser's defense has steadily improved throughout the year, so I think that's definitely something that's gonna help them. You know, twelve steals that you can turn into twenty points off those turnovers. Also chipping in eight fast break points. Seahawks, they're, they're, they're again, we're going to talk about the playoff situations here on the women's side in a minute, but they've clinched a playoff spot. That's for sure. Um, I think it's big for them to host opening round. I, I do think that they're a team that would benefit from actually not being uh, in the top end. I think that they would benefit from having that opening round at home, feed off the Kaiser fans. And then, you know, you go on the road for possibly two games and you don't know what could happen, but you want to have that first one under your belt. At least what I believe uh, in this game, again, 19 assists, 12 steals, 20 points off turnover. Like I mentioned, 36 paint points. This team lives in the paint. 
standout player for me, Elena Schaefer. She's really turned around the second half, uh, second put, second half push. I would say, not to say she was having a bad start to the conference because I don't think she was, but I just think she's had a better second half. Twenty six points, five, uh, five steals, six assists. She has just been on one. She's gonna be a big part of this preview we're gonna talk about in a minute here. Uh, also, double double for Eliza Ellison, seventeen points, thirteen rebounds. Just a nice day at the office for her. Kaiser's really moving in the right direction for the Royals. Uh, eighteen turnovers. It's not gonna not gonna get it done. Uh, I think that's been one of the biggest Achilles heels for them is the turnover battle. They tend to lose that one, and they tend to lose it by about the six to five mark that they did in this game. Then you add in thirty percent from the field. It's just not gonna get it done. Harado and Edwards combined for forty seven of the team sixty four points. The rest of the team eight players total seventeen points with only three players scoring those seventeen points. They're their biggest thing, and again, it kind of builds off the turnovers and the, the the field goal percentage. The offense at times gets stagnant. The offense at times, not stagnant, not the word. The offense at times can't get going. I still remember when they played the Bobcats at the Fernandez Family Center, and they were winning. They were winning at half, but it never felt like the Bobcats were were, were down or they were playing bad or the, even the Royals were playing that good. I'll be honest with you. But that third quarter comes, the offense kind of just couldn't weather the storm of the Bobcats and they end up losing that game by double digits. Similar situation I feel like has kind of been the Royal story. They'll have games where they are just on one, but they've also have games. So more so honestly quarters where they're having two point quarters, nine point quarters in the playoffs. That could be the difference between you winning or losing a game, especially a team that's going to be on the road. You got to make sure you're playing for four quarters, 40 minutes straight, not 39, not 39, 30 seconds. 40 minutes straight because I think this team could definitely have an upset in them again this this side more so than the men's side I feel like is matchup dependent still men's side is going to be matchup dependent but I would lean more towards the women's side and the Royals we've seen them pull off upsets before we've seen them be in close games and just not finish them they're going to finish one and for all we know it could be that one in the playoffs they still control their own destiny with playoffs but they are on the bubble they're the only team that I would say is on the bubble and I'll get to that in a minute here after this last review we're talking about the Weber Warriors and Florida Memorial Lions on the men's side, I mentioned how it was a big win for the Warriors. On the women's side, huge win for the Lions to keep their playoff hopes alive. Five-point victory, 67-62. They've gotten the Calvary back for the most part. You know, they they, they finally have some players back. Uh, I'm glad that they are, they are back and they're going to be a big piece. The question is pretty simple. Is it too little too late in the sense of, you know, rust and 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 chemistry and those kind of things that you can't really know until you step out on that court. But in this game, they're able to pull it out. 15 steals, 12 fast break points, 17 points off turnovers, 35 bench points. Depth, depth, depth. That is what that tells me for those 35 bench points. You have bodies now. 12 with 15 from the free throw line, also very good for them. They tend to be, I'd say they're probably second in the conference, Um, just from covering the conference, kind of listening to the numbers and stuff like that behind Kyler when it comes to free throw line points since and along those lines. Um, so I definitely think that's going to be something for them. They need to try and get honestly, and they can, I've seen them do it 20 free throw attempts, 20 free throw attempts. If they can do that, they put themselves in a prime position to, to win some of these games. A standout player for, for me, no surprise, the age of Thornton, 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. Like I mentioned, playoff hopes still alive. Um, it, it, it's going to come down pretty simple. And again, I was, the scenarios are going to pop up here in a second, but it's pretty simple. Win out. And that's your best bet. That's really what it comes down to. For Weber, tough loss. Um, 20 turnovers did not make a single three-pointer. 0 for 8, 59% from the field, 35, uh, 59% from the free throw line, excuse me, 35% from the field. Just ha- seemed like an off night, I'm be honest with you. You know, it could be on the road. You know, you, you get Burgess back. I don't think it's her first game back, but but she's still getting off some of that ring, some of that rust, obviously, from, from being injured. Uh, she had a double-double, though, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 14 of 23 from the free throw line. 14 of 23 from the free throw line. If you are playing against Jada Burgess, you better not put your hand in that cookie jar or she will catch you. The referees will catch you. So fair warning to everybody in the conference heading into the playoffs. You got rebound, they got rebounded the Lions by 13 and, and outscored them in the paint by six, but still lose. That, to me, signals more of the intangibles, if that makes sense. You know, obviously sometimes um, these games all in the same time, can't watch all of them. I watch clips of here, here and there, you know, trying to trying to see what's been kind of going on for the most part. 
But and when I look at the stats, you know, I see that you out rebound a team by 13. You outscore them in the paint by six, but still lose. It's got to mean that the things that don't show up on the stat sheet, that was what kind of hurt you. You know, you know, maybe questionable shots. You know, 35% from the field could be question, could be, could be something there. Uh, 20 turnovers, not valuing possessions. Um, you also have of those 20 turnovers, 15 of them were steals for the line. So it's like those are the type of things you kind of have to start putting things together when you when in a game like this. Um, for the Warriors, though, uh, there's in the playoff mix, they, they are locks, you know, as I'm going to get into the the uh, scenarios here now for the women's side. That's a lot more complicated, especially for the race to the top playoff locks. St. Thomas, Southeastern, Ave, Kaiser, Weber. Those teams are locks. Uh, even if Weber loses their last two games, they will not go lower than six. So they are playoff locks. Battle for the number one seed. STU, Ave, and Southeastern all hold wins and losses against each other. That would be the next tiebreaker. So obviously, first thing first, conference record. If these teams are all tied uh, at the end of the season, they also all are all are one in one versus each other. This is where things get a little interesting. All three of these teams have lost to Kaiser. The caveat is St. Thomas is the only team that has not played Kaiser twice. Play them obviously tomorrow. Basically, STU needs a win versus Kaiser or they fall out of the race. It's really what it comes down to. An STU win, and assuming all three teams win out, will trigger, you know, the more advanced tiebreakers. And, and, and you know, people have kind of, I've sat down and, and talked to some people and figured it all out. Um, it goes deep. I'm not going to pretend to know all the numbers. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to say is, from what I understand, St. Thomas ends the season with Weber, Southeastern ends it with Warner, and Avi ends it with Coast. From what I understand, assuming all three teams win out and all three teams um, uh, win these next two games that they have left. If all three teams are tied, from what I understand, Southeastern would get it. From what I understand. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to put my, I'm not going to bet on that. I'm not going to bet on that. I could be wrong. I don't know. But from what I understand, if these three teams are tied, Southeastern would get the number one spot. Um, and then St. Thomas, I believe, will be second, and Ave might be third. I believe that's what it's going to come down to. If St. Thomas wins out and Southeastern and Ave split one way or another, you know, one and one or, or anything like that, basically, if it is a tie between St. Thomas and either Southeastern or Ave, St. Thomas will get the number one spot. Again, I am no mathematician. I am not a math major. I am a spell ad major. I'm a sports administration major. So I could be wrong. But from what I understand, that is what it comes down to. Three-way tie with these two, with these, with these three teams, it'll be Southeastern's. A tie between St. Thomas and either one of these two teams, it'll be St. Thomas. Everybody got it? Everybody cool? Again, couldn't even tell you the spreadsheet if I if I had it in front of me. I just again from what I've heard. For the Warner Royals, the only team that is on the bubble that could fall out. They all could also move up. They're the only team that really has that much movement. Again, you could talk about St. Thomas, Southeastern, Navi, but that's a different category, different different tier. Uh, for Warner, again, they can either fall out of the playoffs or move up to five. It's simple. They win out, they're locked. They're, they're sixth. Uh, again, could move up to five depending on what happens with the Weber Warriors. For Florida Memorial, for them to make the playoff, they need to win out and Warner needs to lose out. Again, very simple on that front. Florida Memorial wins, they give themselves the best chance, but they need some Warner losses, as in all of the losses. Uh, Warner wins both games. They're, they're, they're good to go. They're, they're in. They're in. Uh, whether it's six or six or five, again, we have to see what happens with the Weber Warriors. With that, we're going to go into the final section here of the the episode with the previews. These are very interesting to me. We're going to start with Florida Memorial at Southeastern. I know I just mentioned that the Lions need to win both games, and I know they're going to be in playoff mode already. I understand all that, but you're traveling to Lakeland. You're traveling to a team that is, I think if you told me, you get you put your money on either all three teams, St. Thomas, Ave, and Southeastern tying at the end of this, or only two teams tying, my money is on three. I just, that, that, that that's what it is, that my money is on three. And I don't think the Southeastern Fire are going to drop this one. Um I don't think they're going to drop either one, to be honest with you. I think they're favorites in both of them, but we're going to stick with Wednesday. I think that even though the Lions are going to go on the road, they're going to be hungry, they're going to be in a hostile environment, they're going to use that to feed off of each other. Barring a 
otherworldly performance by the Lions, you know, shooting wise or, or, or an off night for the fire, Southeastern is going to do it. I think they win this one, uh, double digit law, double digit win to be honest, which you're talking about maybe 12 to 15 points. And, and the Lions, unfortunately, season, unfortunately, the season ends possibly Wednesday night, um, in the sense of no playoff for them. From there, we're going to go to sleeper game of the day, Coastal at Warner. I got Warner winning this one, but I do think Coastal will, will make it interesting. I do think that, they, that this is a situation where the Warner Royals can look to take advantage of a team that may be a little bit just just deflated, I think is the word I would use after you know being eliminated from, from conference play and, and, and whatnot. I think they could use it and really help in the offense. They, they can they, they should be in playoff mode already too because it's a, they're not done. You know, again, I said that the fire will probably beat the Lions, but you never know. And the last thing you want to know if you're the one Rose is oh well, Southeastern will handle business against the Lions. We can kind of ease off the foot a little bit. No. Because what if that doesn't happen? What if the Lions, what if Thornton has a 40 ball? What if the fire can't throw a rock into the ocean? What if, what if, what if? And yeah, we're playing with the what if game, but there's still a possibility for that. Warner, you have a chance to go out, win two games, this one at home, do it. Send a message to the to the conference. Send a message to those teams that are fighting for the top, for those, those top, for the top spot, for those top three spots, honestly, maybe even four. That, you know, you don't want to play us in the in the first round. I don't care if we're going to be on the road. You don't want to play us in the first round, you know. I think the Warner Royals' biggest thing, too, is I want to see the guard play continue to be what it's been before last game. You know, I, I like seeing um when when they're, when they're guards, they're starting guards in, in Long and Gerardo, when they're really on one, they, they, they can be a tough, tough matchup for a lot of conference, for a lot of the backcourts in this conference. So I definitely want to see that uh, be something that they definitely – kind of work and, and get better at as it's the playoffs near. Um, obviously, Jasmine Edwards is going to do what Jasmine Edwards does. Uh, overall, Coastal, it's a tough one uh, on the road. They could maybe catch, again, because the Warner Royals tend to have at least one bad quarter or a bad stretch, I wouldn't put it past Coastal to take advantage of that. Um, so that's why I say this Warner game could be very, very important for them in the sense of showing, look, we can play a full 40, and this is what it looks like when we play a full 40. From that... These next two games that I'm going to talk about, honestly, both could be game of the day, but for different reasons. I think Kaiser St. Thomas is game of the day just because of what I mentioned. Kaiser, I don't, again, I haven't really looked into it because I have, I just don't want to rock my brain any more than I've already done it. But I don't think they can move up to third. If they can move up, I just think it is up to third. I don't think they can go up any higher. Um, But what they can do for sure is make the Bobcats fall from one to three. And then again, tie with Kaiser, things happen, you never know, maybe even four. So that's why I say this game is game of the day because there is playoff implications on both fronts here. You know, if the Bobcats win, again, you have given yourself the most likely scenario of being in that tiebreaker situation with the other two teams. If Kaiser wins, you give yourself a pretty good chance. It might be a, a, a slim chance, but a pretty good chance of moving up to maybe even third. Because right now they're eight and four. They're only a game behind those three teams tied right now in the number one spot. So it, it's not the strangest thing in the world. I got St. Thomas winning it. Um, again, throwing senior night. I, I do think that's, that's going to be a factor in it. I also think... This Bobcat team did not play. Well, I don't think. I know they didn't play their best game against the Seahawks the first time. I know that the Seahawks are coming in playing good basketball. You know, I, I don't. I don't know if I would say the best yet. I, I don't. I don't know if I would say that. Um, they're still. Tra- tra- they're still in that trajectory of of getting there, and they'll probably get there in, in that week's time to get into into playoffs. But I feel. I still think that there's a little bit more that they can do. Not in the sense of of they're playing bad, but just I feel like they have another level to unlock. Can they unlock it? We'll see. Uh, I think Elena Schaefer is going to be a, a important part for this team, um, for both teams, for the Seahawks offense and for the Bobcat defense to try and slow her down. She had a very good game against them the first time around. Um, again, we know the Seahawks at home. They are a different animal. They do not play when they are at the crib, but they're not at the crib. And we know the Bobcats don't play when they're at the crib. So, I'm looking at the Bobcats to definitely take advantage. Uh, I know that they stung a little bit from that last loss. 
um, felt like they had it in their hands. You know, again, late game execution kind of got them a little bit, but it's a learning experience. You know, you, you take away things from, from that game. One thing I will say of the three losses, the two that they have to Ave and Kaiser, offensive rebounds. If the, if the Seahawks control the offensive glass, I I would hate, I, I think it's going to be a harder game for the Bobcats to win. They can still win, but it'll be a much harder game than it will be if they are the ones who are imposing their will inside. If Paige McDonald, Sophie Van Dyke, the the big guards for them, and, and Renee Tumlin, Bria Brown, even Camilla Faithful to an extent, they are the ones that are that are really imposing their will. Even Brooke Bogas, Martha Franco, who I think they're right now, if not one of the best backcourt in the conference, um, they're putting pressure on the on the on the paint presence of the Seahawks who don't have shot blockers like the Bobcats do. Um speaking of the paint, you got some post players that you got to worry about for the Seahawks. And again, we know the Seahawks are going to get free throws. You cannot give them freebies though. You cannot give them bad fouls, bail them out in certain situations because if you do, you're just setting yourself up for failure. The last time these two teams played the Bobcats either tied or won every quarter but one, the third quarter, which we have said, and I have said, third quarter can be either the make can be the break, make or break for the Bobcats. Either it's the reason that they blow a team out and, and make a statement dominant win, or it's the reason that they lose the game. We're like, well, look at that third quarter. You lost it by 10. You lost it by, by eight. You know, it's the only quarter you lost. It's how many times have we said that this year? So I think that third quarter or that quarter is going to happen. How the Bobcats respond is going to be very, very important. They've been doing a better job as of late, so I'm glad to see that. Now this is the test, I think. This is the real real, real test right now. And to be honest with you, I know they're in the playoff, like they're in playoffs, but this is a playoff game for them. This is where their playoffs start. I think they, of the three teams that are locked in for the number one spot or, or fighting for the number one spot, I should say, they're the one. They're the team that again I've been keeping hundred with with every with everybody in the conference this year. They're the team with the least with the highest chance of falling out. Why? Because they have the toughest remaining schedule. Just the way it is. You know they have two playoff teams left. The Southeastern Fire possibly have one in the Lions, but then they have. As I'm going to pull up the schedule right now, after the Lions, they have the Warner Royals, who is one playoff team left. So they have one. Then you got the Gyrenes, who have one. They have Weber, and then they've got Coastal. So just. Strictly off that, who are they playing? The Bobcats have two playoff teams locked. Could even be first-round matchups in certain situations if things play out a certain way. So they are just statistically the team that would fall out of this hunt. So they're in playoff mode now. They're locked in. They've been in playoff mode, honestly, since the Southeastern game. They've been in playoff mode, which is going to be a good thing because now you're locked in and you need to be locked in. But you also can't let that deter you too much mentally and 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 add that extra pressure because there, there's no need pressure at the end of the day this is basketball so i'm excited to see how the bobcats respond but i'm also excited to see how the seahawks try and take advantage of this opportunity in front of them last preview game here before we wrap it up and and we send you into the, the evening games and, and and the later week games as a uh, you guys are probably listening to this uh, wednesday morning when it comes out ave at weber this is always going to be my upset pick of the day. I've got Weber because the Warriors at home are, are and I've said this about a lot of teams and, and I can just sum it up like this. It is hard to win on the road in this conference this year. It's, it's happened. I believe the only teams that are undefeated at home are Ave and Kaiser. That is my, yes, Ave and Kaiser because Southeastern, St. Thomas, Warner Coast. Yes. Weber, maybe. Maybe. But I know for sure Avian Kaiser. It's hard to win on the road in this conference, especially this year. And while Ave is a dangerous team at home, they're not at home. On the road, it's a little bit more hit or miss. We've, we've seen them have some tough games. It's just a flat out. The Warriors, they're coming off of a pretty tough loss. But I think the backcourt of Pacheco and Burgess is going to be a little bit too much to handle. Not to say the Jaguars can't do it, but I think they're going to be more. Oh my God, how do I want to say this? They're going to be more aggressive in putting pressure on the paint presence of the Jaguars as well as the guard play. 
Humphreys, Coleman, they're going to have to really guard up against Pacheco and Burgess. And again, Burgess is averaging almost 20 free throw attempts a game, a game, which means in transition in the half court. She's just a very smart basketball player. She is somebody who understands angles, understands how to use contact, how to play to the referee's advantage where that's out of play. That that is a that is a foul. You are out of position. Give me my free throws. Like it's really that that simple. You know, she's a player that's gonna benefit from the the five foul team five foul bonus. That's why she's getting twenty three free throws a game. So I think she's gonna put a lot of pressure, specifically her Pacheco too. Pacheco obviously more under the radar, more of a, more of a, a floor general in in the sense, especially when Burgess is playing. Um, but I think that's mainly I'm talking about Burgess. I think she will be the one that puts that pressure interior getting maybe some bigs in the foul trouble for the gyrenes, even though they play very deep in the rotation. I don't think they go that deep. Um, They're probably going to stick around 10, maybe go like 11, but I don't see them going past that, to be honest with you. And then the gyrenes, uh, overall, they had a very good game. I, I understand that. But it took a Maria Coleman 25 wing dinner, all flats, to beat the Bobcats. On a, in a game where the Bobcats did not shoot the ball very well, the Bobcats turned the ball over a lot. The Bobcats gave up offensive rebounds. So it's like, while the Jirenes handled business, they made timely buckets, they made timely plays, they made a defensive stop at the end, they did everything they needed to do. Let's not overlook the fact that, that only five players scored. Let's not look over the fact that of those five players, one of them had 25 of the teams. Let me get the final score here for you in a second. Of the teams, 66. So not a lot. But that's almost thirty percent. That's almost that's almost thirty points of the sixty-six. So let's let's be mindful. And again, by the time of the year, Webbery, Webbery, we all know this. We all know this. With that said, though, that's gonna do it for me here, guys. Enjoy the basketball tonight. Uh, get ready for um, some good baseball. Uh, I know St. Thomas is also playing Kaiser tonight. Um, not a conference game, to, to my knowledge, just, just a, a matchup between those two teams. So definitely try and ch- check that one out if you can. Got a lot of flag football uh, also starting up very soon. Lacrosse is in, in full swing. Softball's in full swing. It's it's all here. You know, you guys got your pick of the litter. Go ahead. Whatever you pick, just enjoy it. Watch it to the fullest. With that said, though, playoffs for basketball in a week's time, man. In a week, literally in a week. Uh, it's Tuesday, men's, Wednesday, women's. It might even flip-flop. You never know, depending on how the schedule works out and who's hosting and who's not. But get ready because I think this basketball playoff is going to be very exciting. I know for sure baseball and softball and all the other sports are going to be very exciting as well. Um, but I will catch you guys later in the week. Um, maybe Reagan will be – hopefully Reagan will be back. Again, Reagan, I'm still praying out there. I, I'm just – I want to see you again, man. I want to see you again. I know we're going to get it in before playoffs for sure for basketball. Uh, we've already talked about that. But, you know, I don't want to get one more regular season in. You know, a little, little, little cap off of the regular season I think wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. You know, hopefully we can get you in – we can get us in same time uh, later this week. Um but nevertheless, appreciate the the support. You know, let let, let me ride with another solo one. Um, thanks again, guys, for listening. And again, enjoy some of these enjoy these games tonight. It's gonna be very, very, very good. All right, I'll see y'all later.